I recognize the right and duty of this generation to develop and use natural resources of our land, but I do not recognize the right to waste them or to rob by wasteful use the generations that come after us. Theodore Roosevelt We all have bad habits that make us seem just a little less human sometimes. Join me, Andrea, and my co-host Jerry in taking a look at the gross, annoying, and sometimes downright dangerous things we all do on How to Be Human. Recycling is the collecting and processing of materials that would alternatively be discarded as garbage and turning those materials into new products. We've all seen the recycling symbol, but what do those three chasing arrows mean? Well, the three arrows represent the three steps of recycling forming a continuous loop. Step one is collecting and processing of recyclable material. This can be curbside pickup, drop centers, and deposit or refund programs. Different areas will have different programs. When we lived in Carlsbad, New Mexico, which is a pretty small town, we did not have curbside pickup, but there were drop-off locations. Now that we're in a large metroplex, curbside pickup is provided as part of our regular garbage service. After recyclables are collected, they're sent to a recovery facility to be sorted, cleaned, and processed into raw materials for manufacturing new items. Recyclables are bought and sold locally and worldwide, just like virgin raw materials. After recyclables are collected, they're sent to a recovery facility to be sorted, cleaned, and processed into raw materials for manufacturing new items. Recyclables are bought and sold locally and worldwide just like virgin raw materials would be with prices fluctuating depending on the market. Step 2 is manufacturing. Have you ever noticed the phrase post-consumer content on labels? That just means it was made at least partially from household items that were recycled. You might also see pre-consumer content, which is made from recycling materials that never made it out of the factory. Or you might just see recycled content, which is just a catch-all phrase for any combination of pre- or post-consumer content. Buying any type of recycled content is good, but post-consumer content is better. And 100 post-consumer content is best because this is the stuff that would have ended up in a landfill without recycling. Manufacturers have always looked for ways to use pre-consumer content to help keep their costs down. There's nothing wrong with that. It keeps the purchase price down while also making them a profit. Recycled materials can be made into the same or similar items like newspaper, soda cans, water bottles, etc. They can also be made into completely different items like clothes, shoes, park benches, and playground equipment glass and asphalt and countertops. There are already so many products that are being made from recycled materials and more are being developed all the time. Step three is purchasing new products made from recycled materials. Every time you choose products from recycled content, you're helping close the loop. Even better is choosing items made from recycled content that can easily be recycled again. That's why the three logo is three chasing arrows. Many materials can be recycled again and again. But recycling is so difficult. It's unfair that I'd be asked to completely change my life to recycle. 
Recycling can be just as easy as throwing out your garbage. Depending on where you live, it might be a little easier or harder than other places. Like I said before, we didn't have a recycling pickup when we lived in a little town in New Mexico. We were super inconsistent about recycling, but we did try taking our recyclables to drop bins near one of the places I was working at then. I even took the boxes from our shipments at work to the recycling drop when I could. They had multi-stream recycling program, meaning recyclables had to be sorted before being dropped off. This is one of the more difficult recycling scenarios. Making sure everything is sorted, then hauling it to a drop off yourself, and where we live now, it's pretty much the opposite end of the spectrum. We have single stream recycling program. All recyclables go into the same bin provided by waste management. Then they come by once a week on the same day as regular garbage pickup, haul it away for us, and they do the sorting. The biggest expense we've made to our recycling in our house is a few dollars for a small garbage can that sits next to our kitchen garbage can. It's nothing special, just the kind you would find under an office desk. But what should be going into the recycling bin? Paper makes up about 25% of garbage created each year. It's also the number one recycled material. It's used to make more paper products like printer paper, paper towels, greeting cards, and so many more other paper products. So anything paper can be recycled, right? Anything considered contaminated, like with food, beverages, or anything not normally found on paper, cannot be recycled. It can actually cause the entire batch to be unusable. Also, any coated paper is not recyclable. Wrapping paper that's shiny, laminated paper, wax-coated cardboard, etc. The other thing about paper, and I learned this on PBS years ago, so correct me if I'm wrong, is certain applications require longer or shorter fiber lengths. Very long fibers are for high quality, long lasting paper products like fancy paper. And short fibers are for low quality disposable products like toilet paper. And every time paper is recycled, the fibers are broken, creating shorter fibers. This means that paper is always downcycled. And the old joke about recycled toilet paper being made from other people's used toilet paper is just that, a joke. Plastics are a tricky topic when it comes to recycling. Some plastics are more recyclable than others, and some are only accepted by some recycling programs and not others. How then do we know what plastics our local recycling programs will accept? If you turn your plastic container over, you should be able to find a number inside a triangle. This tells us what type of plastic resin the container was made from. And there's a common misconception that the triangle means that it definitely can be recycled. Unfortunately, it's not that easy with plastics. Check with your local recycling program to find out which plastics are accepted. Better yet, avoid plastics whenever possible. Glass is one of the better container options. It can be recycled repeatedly without breaking down like paper. And most recycling programs will accept different colors of glass without you needing to sort them first. Aluminum cans like soda and beer cans are the number one recycled item in the world. They get turned back into cans or products in transportation and construction. There's also other items we don't generally think about when we're talking about recycling. 
Household hazardous waste is anything that's corrosive, toxic, ignitable, or reactive ingredients. Leftover paint from that time you painted the living room. The cleaner you decided you hate the smell so you never use it. Oils, batteries, whether they have a charge or not. Pesticides, etc. Anything that would be harmful to people, pets, or the environment if you were to just dump it on the ground. Your community should have a special collection date, a collection center you can drop off your hazardous waste, or the business you bought it at may even accept your waste for recycling. Tires can also be recycled. If I remember correctly, the track at my middle school was made from recycled tires. This would have been in the early to mid 90s, so my memory might not match up to reality. They can also be recycled into mulch as aggregate for roadways and playground flooring, just to name a few things. Dumping tires can lead to rodent infestations, mosquito breeding grounds, both of which can lead to diseases in humans and animals. And you know how bad tire fires are? They burn extremely hot and are hard to put out and admit toxic fumes into the air. I'm going to turn it over to Jerry for this next part. He's better informed about recycling of computer parts and electric components than I am. Thanks, Andrea. Um, so this next topic uh, really hits home with me. Uh, so aside from my day job, I'm a computer tech, gamer, hardware enthusiast, cryptocurrency specialist. I do a lot with computers and, as needless to say, I accumulate a lot of hardware. I'm the type of person that will, you know, that will keep old hardware thinking that I'll find a use for it down the road. But then there comes a time where, of course, Andrea will say, hey, um, it's time to lighten the load a little bit. And this happened one time back when we, we moved from Carlsbad to the bigger city. And she's like, you know, we, we, we've got to really lighten up that hardware. You know, there's just way too much stuff here. And I, I agreed. But, you know, in, instead of me throwing it out, which would be the easiest thing to do, because, you know, our all we had was a dumpster. We could just take it to a community park or a community trailer park. We just take it to a dumpster there. So no one was really watching. I could have thrown it there. But I, 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 didn't, I can't just throw this computer hardware away. I wanted to make sure that it, it either got to someone who can reuse it or it got recycled. So... What I did is, you know, I contacted a local computer tech that a friend of mine that I knew. Uh, and I kind of, hey, come on over and let me show you what I have and let me know if you want any of this stuff. And uh, sure enough, he um, opened As soon as I showed it to him, he's like, I'll take it all. I was like, okay, you know, at least I know that it's going to go to someone who will find uses for it or he or he might try to resell it. At least I know from one tech to another tech, you know, he's not going to throw it out. So, you know, e-waste is a big, big deal in, um, in the world. And according to, like, the State of the Planet East Institute and Columbia University study, they say in like, 2016 that 49 million tons of yeast waste was discarded. And then they estimate by 2021 that a, the that a number will grow to 60 million tons. Now, that is a lot. Of waste that is a lot of waste material, and e-waste you know it composed of anything from like gold, silver, copper, platinum, platinum, lithium, cobalt, and other valuable elements. Anything basically put into a circuit board, uh, rechargeable battery, um, etc. And this stuff is you know is highly dangerous to be thrown on a landfill, and it's highly wasteful. 
I mean, the amount of energy used to try to mine some of this raw material is, you know, is hazardous to the environment already. And it's a lot of pollution put out to try to do the mining material. And it's detrimental to the earth because, you know, really, if you're strip mining, you're destroying the ground just to rip the, the minerals out of the ground. And it's and here we are just throwing the same material away just because we no longer need that laptop or no longer need that computer or that phone. So, you know, biggest deal is we, there are places that will take this material, a lot of places that'll take it free of charge. So, I mean, the one thing I will always suggest is, you know, always try to find, take the time to find um, a place or a person to donate the old parts you know number one is you could try to claim money for it a lot of places will buy back like especially cell phones they'll give you credit for it i mean walmart has a bunch of kiosks or the kiosk in it that will you know automatically will scan your merchandise to the product you want and give you a value for it uh and if the product is too old they'll still take it for recycling no cost to you uh, you know, also you could try to resell it. A lot of places like uh, OfferUp and FireMile I've actually used. I've also used places like eBay to try to sell old, old, old computer parts, uh, just so that I can you know reclaim some money for it. Uh, and then of course, like I said, donate to a friend. You know, um, one of the biggest things is sometimes I took an old computer from my uh, my my father who. He had an old computer laying around and I literally rebuilt it cheaply and sold it for $200 and made some money off it. It was a five-year-old computer that I had no use for, but I found someone else who who could use it. And of course, you could just donate it, you know, find someone else who could use it. But there's also, there's a lot of mini retailers like, you know, Staples is a big, good example of this, that you can literally take your electronics into a Staples store, drop it off. And they'll throw, take, take care of recycling for you. It uh, doesn't matter what it is. Any type of electronics, there is no limitations. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, they uh, they do like recycling events throughout the year. They, you might get a coupon or something back for doing recycling. Um, and in all else, if you live in a small community like we did in Carlsbad, um, check your local yellow pages. Find a local drop-off. Take the extra minute or two uh, you know, the time of your out of your life to find out where you can drop off or recycle material, so we don't just throw away these precious metals that we'll never get back. I mean, the Earth's minerals are are finite. You know, they're not going to last forever, and I rather try to reclaim that material, those minerals, from you know old electronics, and then trying to mine new ones. So please, uh, don't discard your old electronics into the trash. So take the extra time to find the best way to recycle it. You make the difference in sustaining the world we live on and the resources we have left. Thank you. But I've heard recycling isn't really better for the environment, or it's worse than just throwing things away. When items are made out of virgin materials, we use energy and resources to extract and process them. Take glass, for example. Just because it's made of sand doesn't mean you can just scoop some off the beach. To get the right color and quality, you need the right ratios of silica and minerals, which mean time, effort, and resources to process it. 
And when recycling glass, old glass is broken down by color and made into new glass products. It's true that recycling isn't the best way to avoid making more waste. That would be not creating it at all. But that's not always a feasible option. I've heard people complain about recycling being a scam because recycling centers just end up sending everything to the dump anyway. And this is partially true. Anything that the recycling center cannot recycle has to go somewhere. After it's been sorted from the usable materials, it's sent to the landfill. Remember when I mentioned contaminated recycling material? Think greasy pizza boxes. Those and anything else they've contaminated have to be sent to the landfill also. And if they aren't found before they go into the machinery, costly repairs may have to be done. That doesn't mean you need to waste a lot of water washing recyclables. Just make sure they're empty and if they need it, give them a quick rinse. You don't have to scrub everything clean, just keep grease and food off of paper items. When we do our part by sending the correct items to recycling centers, recycling can be more efficient and less expensive than making items out of virgin materials. Check with your local facilities for what items are and aren't accepted. But what about plastic bags? I can almost guarantee that your local recycling center won't accept plastic bags. But many big box retailers and grocery stores do accept them. They have programs in place for the plastic waste created from the products they receive and can add consumer plastic bags to it. Look for collection bins near customer service areas or just ask if they accept it. Recycling creates jobs. The EPA's Recycling Economic Information Study in 2016 found that recycling and reuse created 757,000 jobs, $36.6 billion in wages, and $6.7 billion in tax revenues in a single year. But having a separate truck driving the same route as the garbage truck just uses more fuel and makes more pollution, right? Nope. Virgin materials need to be obtained, whether by cutting trees, mining ore, mining silica sand, etc. They then get transported to processing facilities to be made into usable forms. Then transported again to manufacturing facilities to be made into things. Then transported yet again to warehouses to sit and wait until they're transported to stores so we can buy them. Now, recycling materials still go through most of the steps. But a fleet of trucks driving around the city once a week is going to use less fuel and create less pollution than several trucks and pieces of machinery gathering virgin materials day in and day out. And some places use the same truck that pick up your garbage to pick up your recyclables. And don't worry, they aren't just dumping all your garbage and recycling together after all the wonderful sorting you did. They take one load to the proper location, then pick up the next. It's just going to depend on what works best in your area, whether they're using different trucks for garbage and recycling. Well, recycling is just newfangled nonsense. Actually, recycling was first recorded in 9th century Japan. Ancient Japanese people started recycling paper almost as soon as they discovered how to make paper. In fact, they saw the recycled paper as more valuable than new paper and used it for items they wanted to last, like paintings and poetry. And as far back as 1690, 
Rittenhouse Mill in Philadelphia was recycling linen and cotton rags to make paper for use in Bibles and newspapers. During World War II, more than 400,000 people volunteered in the effort to collect and recycle tens of thousands of tons of tin, rubber, steel, paper, and more to save money for the war efforts. During the 1960s, the first curbside collections for metals and paper started popping up. In the 1970s, green movements through government-backed initiatives brought about more public awareness to conservation efforts. The first Earth Day was celebrated April 22, 1970, and that same year Gary Anderson, a Southern California architecture student, designed the Chasing Arrows symbol for a contest. Massachusetts received the first EPA recycling grants to start weekly curbside collection programs and the first ever residential recycling truck. By the end of the 70s, approximately 220 curbside collections programs were running in the United States, and around 60 were multi-material collections. By 1985, the United States was at 10% recycling participation nationwide. Then, in 1987, as Long Island was running out of landfill space, a garbage barge called the Mobro 4000, also known as the Garbage Barge, set out from New York carrying more than 3,100 tons of garbage. The Mobro 4000 was turned away from their original destination of North Carolina and spent months wandering around the East Coast to be turned away from Louisiana, Texas, Florida, and Belize with their stinky cargo. The Mobro 4000's odyssey captured the public's attention through headlines and late-night talk show jokes. That same year, New Jersey adopted the country's first mandatory recycling programs, requiring all citizens to separate recyclables from their garbage. 1993 saw Wisconsin enact the first ever statewide ban on recycling materials going into landfills, and in 1995, they banned certain other items as well. The United States achieved 20% recycling participation by 1995, and only three years later, more than 30% participation. In 2011, California set a goal of 75% participation by 2020. And in 2012, San Francisco announced an achievement of 80% waste diversion. Now, recycling isn't the be-all and end-all of creating less waste. We need to buy fewer disposable items. I probably have five different single-use containers of shampoo and conditioner in the shower just for Buggy and myself. Not good. Somewhat better is we also have a few refillable bottles in there, and all the hand soap pumps in the house get refilled with soap concentrate and water. We're not perfect at the reduce, reuse, recycle lifestyle, but baby steps are better than no steps at all. And it's easy to say, I've always done it this way, I'm not going to change. Or, I'm just one person, my actions don't matter in the big scheme of things. But how do you explain to your children and future generations that you didn't care enough about their future because you were too busy making excuses in your present? Thank you to my lovely assistant for co-hosting again. Links to the articles I used will be posted on howtobehuman.me. Subscribe, rate, and share to help other people find this podcast. And don't forget, your word of mouth is invaluable. 
If you'd like to support the content of How to Be Human, you can make a recurring monthly donation starting at $1 on patreon.com forward slash htbhuman or a one-time donation by PayPal or Bitcoin at howtobehuman.me. And remember, I am not an expert on anything at all. All opinions on this podcast are my own and do not reflect those of anyone else throughout space and time unless specifically stated.